The process is black and white, where two friends examine the trials and tribulations of starting their individual businesses with their cultural differences and similarities, along with whatever else accompanies them on their journey. Each week, they will discuss a few chapters from books that will transform you from being a wantrepreneur to an entrepreneur. Here's Vernon and Devin. Good morning, Vernon. Good morning, Devin. Good morning, my friend. So, this week, we had something that feels like the first time it's happened in our, in our lifetime, right? Am, am I wrong in saying that? But no, it's pretty much the first time it's happened since, uh, since like, 1940. Yeah, right? Um, yeah, because Iraq was more of a terrorist thing, not, not, a, not a country necessarily doing the invading with Iraq and Afghanistan and all that, right? Well, we've definitely had um, definitely had like war and instability, for sure. Yeah, but not but, an invasion. Uh, not like not, a country-led invasion. Not a country-led invasion in Europe. Yeah. Um, right, so it, it, not that, you know, not that the, the lives or, or, or the people in places like Afghanistan are... are you know, any more or less valuable, right? But certainly that, you know, in the case of like the Ukraine, they're a people. They're a, they've become a country in the last, since since the fall of the Soviet Union, right? Like they've become a, like their own country with their own national identity. Um, and just like any country, they're imperfect, I'm sure, right? Like I'm, the, the more I think you look, the there'll be some stuff that makes a bunch of people uncomfortable about Ukraine. But they're a real country in Europe, and another country attacked them. And you don't see that kind of thing. The last time we saw it was like literally 1940. And, you know, it was, you know, you don't, it, war in Europe is literally bad for everyone on the planet. It's one of those rare things that's like, it's bad for everyone. And so uh, I don't know how it's going to, stop but boy it could stop my friend pavel who we've mentioned on the podcast before uh lives in moscow and uh you know i can't imagine just being in the situation like all these sanctions and everything and everything that's happening right that where they're taking money away from you know russia and everything like that that's impacting his ability to like feed his kids you know what i mean wow and you know like Boy, isn't that isn't that insane that we have to live in a world where you know he's a great guy, really smart, really thoughtful, trying to start his own business, and you know has a regular job, works for a company in, in Texas, and now he's going to like at least get laid off because if companies in Texas can't work with companies in Russia right now, like he didn't do anything wrong, you know what I mean? So. The human cost of this is is certainly lives, of course, right, mm -hmm. and, and all this stuff, um, and people's freedoms and, and all these other things. But like, also, there's people that are just like minding their own business, trying to trying to live life and trying to make a good life for themselves and their friends and their family. And 
out of nowhere, this guy decides that he wants to. Ugh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. It, you know, it kind of makes you think of um, like what what would you do? How would you explain to your children? How would you? You know what I mean? Like, if that were to happen over here, like. How would you explain to your kids we're being invaded? What do you, you know what I mean? Like, that's a that's a scary sight. I feel for all of the 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 people who live in, in the Ukraine and you know, basically, like I I remember watching something where it was like you know, um, a lot of people starting to kind of flee the country and and leave behind their homes and different things like that. And you know, I kind of try to put myself in their shoes because I'm thinking like, man, what I you know what I mean? Like, do you stay? Do you fight? Do you, like, what do you do? What do you, like, you know, it's just, it's a crazy situation. It really and, is. It, you know, like, I'm not particularly interested in arguments about gun control and what the relationship between citizens and guns should be or whatever. Um, but all of a sudden, when you see a bunch of Ukrainians handing out guns in Kiev to protect their home, you have a little bit of a different mentality about, like, the gun debate, like, right here, here it's like about keeping families safe and, you know, not letting guns in the hands of criminals and stuff like that. Right. But when you say like, well, this is actually to protect my home and home in that context means like really my home, not just like I'm my land. My yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah. my, yeah. It, to protect the media or <laughs> Loveland, Colorado, you know, it, it gets everything that you think and, you know, I, I guess I'll we can move on after I say this, but we're incredibly fortunate to be able to pursue our hopes and our dreams and try to flourish and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the reason that we're able to do that is because of the tremendous peace and freedom that have been offered to us. And it's certainly imperfect, right? I'm not I'm not wiping away any of the problems that we've had in the in you know the last two hundred years. There's been a bunch, but we've been incredibly safe and incredibly free for 200 years. And all of us for the last 50. And thank goodness, and I want more of that, not less of that, right? More freedom, more opportunity for flourishing. That's what we want more of, not more anything else. Mm. Yeah, yeah, man, it's a... yeah, our heart goes out to yeah. all of the people of Ukraine for sure. Well, and, and like a lot of these kids in Russia, like they're told to yeah, go, yes. go fight this war. Yes. Like they don't yes. want this war, you know. I mean, I'm sure some do, you know, but like, you know, these or these families or these, you know, who who wants to send their kid to war in for the I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's upsetting, but you know, hopefully, uh, ho- hopefully everybody comes home soon. You know. Yeah. Man. Let me can I ask you a philosophical question, right? Mm. And it's on this and, and and then we'll move on to the book, but it like so is it more admirable to fight and protect, you know, your family and yourself and the people around you? E- even though, you know, your your view your viewpoint may be that like guns just you know cause problems or they're you know whatever whatever like if you're someone who's not on the side of like that form of protection 
or is it more admirable to, you know, basically stand your, you know, stay, stay in your stance in terms of, you know, not necessarily believing in the, you know, I don't know, not the use, but the protection of like guns and all of that good stuff and, and offer your life. I don't, I don't think that there's an answer to that question. You know, I think I bet, it's, I don't think there's an answer. I ask because it's something that I struggle with often, even just in, you know, even just in my own personal home. It's just like, man, like, you know, should you, should we, or should we not? Or, you know, it's one of those talks that me and my wife, we, we talk about from time to time and just like, you know, protecting ourselves with guns. But then I'm like, I don't want to bring a gun. You don't want to bring a gun and you how you got children, you know, all of that types of eating. Also, you feel like, hey, mo a lot of people that I know who went that road, like bad stuff tends to happen. It's almost like it just like calls onto it. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those things where like, I'm in the same boat. I didn't know if you, you had a strong feeling either way, but I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. It's like a roll of the dice. Like maybe it protects you. Maybe it doesn't, you know, who knows? Can you get to it? How protected can you be? In, in all honesty, you know, like are you just never going to sleep and just be like, you know, staring out a window with a rifle in your hand? Well, and it's hard to remember, but, you know, we're safer than we've ever been, right? Like mm -hmm. crime is exceptionally low. Crime in a place like the places where you and I are fortunate enough to live is exceptionally low. You, why would you even consider it a risk? Like you guys are not at risk, period. That's the, yeah. you know, the, the risk is so infinitesimally small that it's not relevant. Yeah. But yeah. it's hard not to think like, I have all this stuff. People want this stuff. <laughs> you know, I got kids. I want to keep them safe. Whatever the thing, whatever the thing that you think is, right? Totally. Yeah. There's no right. There's no wrong. It's one of those things where it's just like you make your decision and, and, and you just live with it either way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a weird thing, but it is. It 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 is. It's a question that I'm in like constant feud with myself over often. Sure. You know, where I'm yeah. just like, man, I should probably we should have something. You know what I mean? Some type of plan. Yeah. Sure. When there's a when there's a weird noise in your house in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, you rethink every decision that you've made around that topic. <laughs> True. True. So. Yeah. So yes. we had a. Uh, Part two. Part two uh, of the uh, Vanishing Half, where we uh, we meet some new characters, right? Jules, Jules gets a little older. Yeah. You know, we, we, we get to meet the, the you know, 18-year-old version of Jules. Yeah, uh, 18, 18, 19, I guess. Yeah, 18, 19, yeah. Like freshman, sophomore college, Jules. Uh, Desiree's daughter. Um, and Jules is at UCLA. So she's out in Los Angeles through 19 in the 1970, 1978. Yeah. That's the which, year I was born. Yeah. Okay. Which is, which is an it, which is like real interesting time to be in LA 1978. You know what I mean? Like very progressive time in LA or at that point, that's like LA's like glory days right there. That's like the, you know, probably like the best time. You know, Hollywood is like starting to just bubble and take off. 
You know what I mean? And uh, sure. Well, and on top on top of that, you got the. Uh, it's in the middle of a recession, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's remember two thousand eight. It's it's effectively two thousand eight in nineteen seventy eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. And, yeah. And so yeah. like that's a, it's a there's a whole lot going on there. Yes. Yes. But you know that time that's like the begin like that was the West Coast uh, era of like black s s black excellence. Mm-hmm. It's that it's almost like the version of Harlem Renaissance, but it was at that point it was it was in L A. You had yep. the, a lot of black people moving to L A. from like places like Chicago and also the South and sure. you know what I mean. It was like that was black excellence at that point. That was like. You yeah, know. I guess that's that's OJ too, right? OJ's a, a mm-hmm. OJ's so. playing. Yeah, yeah, he's in UCLA, and, he's, and he's I mean like uh, su- USC, and he's yeah. like super faint. You know, he's like, you know, I don't. Know, people yeah. people forget. I think that that is like actually OJ's years, and yeah, so like yeah, he's he's years. genuinely super famous, and yeah, you know, he yeah. he transcends race. Yes, yeah, that's all all of that, but. What you now, what she introduces is like you said, she introduces Reese, she introduces Barry, um, starts to kind of dig into um, uh, um, Jude's love life, and what we find out is that Jude's. It feels like there's a connection to her own trauma and you know inability to accept herself from her childhood that like becomes a draw to the LGBT community that she connects herself to. And it was almost like this understanding of the two sides. Like she didn't feel seen, they didn't feel seen, and she managed to like connect with that community, you know? I think that's a nice way to put it. Like I I didn't really kind of draw that parallel, but it's, it's true, she feels like of a marginalized community, mm-hmm. she's the most marginalized. Mm-hmm. And then she joins this community that's even more marginalized mm-hmm. of a marginalized community. So that, it's very that's a that's a pretty astute observation right there. Yeah. Yeah. So so it allowed her to kind of like as she meets Reese and like, you know, who is a transgendered uh a, a woman who has become a become transgender a male. Yeah, and and she meets or born a woman, shall I say, and um, is is now a transgendered male, and uh, she meets Reese, and like, it it feels like through the whole story, uh, Jude's kind of like, just, she's very okay with like she like at no point does she question or like she just has total complete understanding of Reese, you know, like the way that the book is written, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even think she even talks a address in the book that Reese, uh, previously was born a woman. Yeah. It's like, it's not really, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because what they're, the, what they're kind of saying is that she, she seems to accept the world as it is. Yes. Yes. Like very, very much so. She's yes. like, sometimes you live in Washington and then, or Washington, D.C., and then your dad beats your mom and then you live in Mallard. And then yeah. you need to accept that you now live in Mallard. And then she has that relationship with the, the guy that's like, 
having a hidden relationship with her in a in a barn or whatever. Yes, yes. And she's like, and sometimes that's the relationship you have with the guy, and that's what you need to accept because you want the relationship, he wants the relationship, and this is the, you know, confines of it. And then she meets Reese, and you know, I can't I can't imagine like I'd never really heard of people becoming trans in like when I was a kid in the nineties. So certainly this had to be like, wow, like it had to be totally different, but because she is who she is, she accepts the world for as it is. And the world as it is, is this is the way she is. You know what I mean? Now I couldn't make out the first guy. Was he just like, I guess like fair light skin guy, Mm -hmm. like her, like her mom and, and just didn't. So that's where like that color, that, interracial colorism came like kind of popped out where she was too dark for him to be seen with well he was uh, the guy he was the guy that was like tugging on her ponytails in like fifth mm -hmm. grade or whatever yeah 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 so like i i think that that in that culture in mallard the the you know imaginary like community that they have in that space she was not attractive despite from all accounts it seems like she's quite attractive but in yeah. that community, she wasn't attractive. But he actually was into her. <laughs> he liked yeah. how she ran. He was paying attention. So, so I think I don't remember what his name is, but whatever that relationship yeah. was was what like was it, like Lloyd or something like that. Yeah, something like yeah. That. So I think whatever that relationship was was like a little bit taboo for the community, and so that's why they were hiding out. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that's what I. It's took uh, yeah, no, it's listen, I, man, I. Even in my family history, my you know my mom who dealt with it, even with even with her early relationships with my with my father, she, you know, she remember kind of being like coming up. They were they were kind of trained as boys to look for light skinned women. Like that was that was the way that they they kind of maneuvered. That's what they were trained to do. You know what I mean? So it it, it totally it's a real thing. You know, oh yeah, that's why Steph and Drake gets all get all the hate they get now, and the whole idea of light skinned dudes is too soft, like all of that. It's a real thing, man. But uh, yeah, it's pretty. You know, it's that storyline's pretty good. I'm liking uh, Reese and just kind of as their relationship develops, and I guess that's the tie in to the book. That's the other, you know, vanishing half that I guess oh, she's yeah. talking about. And tying it into the title, vanishing half of his life, right? I mean, yes. he, he essentially has taken his life before the age of, I guess, seventeen is when he left home, or mm-hmm, eighteen. Mm-hmm. He's yep. taken that life and he's vanishing yep. it. Right? So it looks like, yeah, and that, and that's what it felt. That's a new that new storyline is that, like, you know, he Reese is there. She's telling a story from the LGBT community's perspective, and how he had to totally leave and reinvent himself. Like, you know, to where at one point he was a transgendered male that was um, basically out on the street, you know, as a prostitute trying to make it and uh, got into some sticky situations because the guys thought they were with a young teenage boy. Right. And come to find out this was a, you know, a, a woman. You know what right. I mean? And, and you know, like, he was, like, you know, so he had to reinvent. So I wonder how much of this will be similar when you start hearing more of, like, Stella's story. Well, and then on top of that, you have uh, Barry as another vanishing half, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So Barry's whole entire story is that he gets to be, I 
forget what his name was, but Barry gets to live as whoever his, his female identity is two days a month, he says, and he just puts it away, Mm -hmm. you know, to Mm -hmm. like the words that he says, I just put that away. And you're like, all right, dude, like you, you do you, but it's, it's very, it's very much, I think, uh, a part of the story where people are vanishing half of themselves. They're, they're, they're splitting themselves. There's, you know, Stella disappearing. There's just all these different parts. And, uh, you know, her, her, her mom's boyfriend, I forget his name right now. Early, yeah, early, early, early is here road. and then not here. Right. So I think it's a nice, like repeating theme throughout the book. Yeah. And I, and I, when I'm feel when I'm getting a lot out from the book is that, um, you know, the whole kind of ideas, like you're not necessarily who you are, you know, coming up, whatever your traumas are, whatever the things that you, you've dealt with in your, in your earlier years, you know, in your formidable years aren't necessarily, you know, who you are and the, and the, and the people that seem to be happy in the story so far are the people who are able to accept that and be, you know what I mean? And like are able to kind of like accept that and, and allow the, you know, the world, like you said, with Jude and just kind of take it all in and accept what the world is presenting her. And here she is finding love in a very unusual place where, you know, she probably never thought she would find it, you know? And then you look at Desiree who, you know, early was, you know, a boy that she was flirtatious with as a kid, but probably never imagined that she would have a life of any sort with early. But, you know, she came back home and allowed for it to happen and didn't use her past or the way that people in her community looked at her or anything like that. And now she's in the relationship that she wants to be in. And seems like she's happy. Yeah. 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 So it's not, I guess it's not so, so bad after all, I guess part of the moral of the story, but we got to wait and see what Stella and, and it looks like we're back to 1968. That's next. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm imagining Stella is coming up in some way with the next uh, couple of we're chapters. Gonna, we're going to hear Stella's story. You think? I think, I think so. I think, and it's very interesting because early still hot on her tail trying to find her. And, uh, you know, there was a couple little flashes of, like, you know, she she had moved around. She, I think she was lady, in Boston at one man, point. The landlord had identified her as a as a white woman because early asked if she was dating anyone. And right, the landlord right, was right. uncomfortable with that because mm-hmm. why is this black guy asking about the dating life of this white woman? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, going, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm still trying to figure out, like, what is, um, you know, Brit as the writer, uh, Brit Bennett, still trying to figure out exactly what she she's saying, or or if she's saying anything. You know what I mean? I I feel like there's definitely this, like you just said earlier, this idea of being able to, you know, being multiple parts, you know, of yourself. You know what I mean? But I'm still trying to figure it out exactly what she's saying. So I'm I'm curious how the rest of the book turns up. Yeah, I mean that's like my one of my favorite parts about reading like this kind of fiction where 
there's the author's telling you a story that's entertaining and well-written and all that stuff. But typically there's also some sort of like emotional pull that's like telling you about some truth in, in humanity throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 depending on what book you're reading, it, it's a different, it's a different message. And I, I haven't quite figured out what the necessarily message is, but I do think it, it, it is potentially that like, that, there's both an acceptance of the world as it is, like I was, like I kind of mentioned earlier, but also that, you know, people vanish halves of themselves, all the time. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah, and I, all and the that's time. That's a good point. I think, and that's a good point. I, and when I said what she's trying to say, uh, I think I was thinking of it in a way of like, you know, like what is she trying to, you know, stand on? Shall I say? Meaning like. W- what she's trying to say might not be what she believes is right. What she's trying to say is could just be the truths and realities of yep. the world. And so, like, the curveball is like, hey, everything she's saying about Jude and Barry and Reese is like, yeah, just, you know, be who you are. Accept yourself. Be like, you know, all of that is great. There's like this positive side of those people are finding their true identity. You know, whereas then, like, that doesn't necessarily fit for Stella. If you want to be, you know, if you if you want to be like it's like, you know, it's like a totally right. If you decide that you're going to live as a as a white woman, right? Yeah, like, like all of a sudden you're denying the reality of who you are. Or exactly. Or take Desiree's husband, right? Like he was a sweet and gentle and good man who swept her off her feet and took her, but then occasionally he was another man. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. man was not a particularly likable dude. Exactly. So I'm, so I guess, like you said earlier, it's really just about, you know, the realities that like we're all, you know, multiple parts. Yeah. And sometimes life presents situations that, you know, leave us having to make choices. And some of those choices are about us being who we are and not, you know, and, and, and going through whatever life brings because of who we are. And some of those choices is like, wow, there's this great opportunity here to be more than I ever thought I could be. And if that means I got to totally denounce who I ever was, then shit, so be it. I'm out. I'll be this new person and much happier. Right. And that, or, or I'll accept that I'm only allowed to be this person that I want to be two days a month. Mm -hmm. Like that. But I'll like, yeah, it's a very, you know, it's, a, I guess just like, if you're trying to tell a true story, you have to tell the All the truth of uh, it's, it's complex and there's trade-offs and there's parts that aren't great and there's parts that are great. Right. So, yeah. So, so far, man, this book is, I gotta say it's fantastic. Right. Like, I mean, there's yeah, a reason every character ev- development, dude, everything about this book is so good. And so, you know, I, I guess that's why it's so popular because it's just really yeah. well written. It'll be a movie. It'll be a movie. So oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a movie. You, it, might, it might be better as a miniseries so that you can kind of yeah, draw it yeah. out. You know what I mean? It'll be something for sure. For sure. It'll be something for sure. Covers yeah. a lot of the bases. Yeah. yeah. So what you got this week? Anything? Uh, Well, we're running a little late and I got a meeting, but I did get... Uh, so I guess the biggest update is that before you were only able to set up a customer as a customer. Right. So you could be a comic shop and you could have a customer and that customer would have, you know, there we're holding off Spider-Man for them. And now you could have a customer and a location. So you could say, 
Devin at the Loveland store wants Spider-Man. Oh, so you can, awesome. you can add in like customer locations. So that was really the big addition this week, which is that it's actually kind of a big addition. So yeah, that, that was, awesome, that was mine. Yeah. How about yeah. you? Uh, yeah, we, we signed up to do a little, uh, go to, I guess you would call it like a, a farmer's market type deal okay. where we'll, we'll be just out there, uh, selling some spices. Nice. Uh, so, so, you know, we, we're going to get in front of the people, try to build up some more fans and, uh, Go from there, man. Yeah, I got we got a call and, and got a little meeting, a little conference call today that we got to knock out. All right. All right, stay the course, and we'll uh, we'll touch base next week. Where can people find us, Brian? You can find us at theprocessisblackandwhite.com, and they can search us on all the social media platforms out there at The Process is Black and White, and we'll pop right up. All right, talk to you next week. All right, bro. Have a good week. And that's all the time we have this week. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Process is Black and White. Come join us next week where the journey continues on the road to successful entrepreneurship. For further information, go to www.theprocessisblackandwhite.com. Any views or opinions represented on this podcast do not constitute financial advice or any other advice. Vernon and Devin inspire you to conduct your own due diligence before making any personal financial decisions.